0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word...
1: The Bible says train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart. A child that's not been disciplined, they won't know how how they're gonna walk with God. Because y'all know God disciplines us. So you have a child that doesn't know anything about discipline, they don't don't know anything about loving discipline for your benefit and for your care and for your well-being. How are they gonna walk with God? God's not putting up with anything. God's patient and gracious and loving, but God spanks his kids. So I haven't haven't prepared you to walk with God. I haven't prepared you for a relationship with the Lord where you gotta do what God says do because he's the Lord.
0: What a responsibility we have as parents to train our children up in the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Bill will note the consequences of poor parenting and exhort parents to rise to the challenge the habits and expectations that we set for our children can carry with them for a lifetime. In some ways, their behaviors can be a testimony of the gospel with friends and classmates. What are some godly principles that you want to instill in your household? Your kids will see Christ in you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, as he continues his message, A Tale of Two Households.
1: Verse 23 says, So he said to them, now here's Eli's opportunity. It's not that he's ignorant of what they're doing, he's fully aware. And look at what he says. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? <laughs> that's why y'all doing that? You know, this why do you do that? Why are you guys sleeping with the girls at the temple, man? Well, I heard y'all was doing that. Why y'all doing that? Hey, I'm gonna tell you that that's not enough. God, God is gonna say that's not enough. But he, he asked them, Why are you why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Know my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear for you. You make the Lord's people transgress. If a man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Now, Here's what's right and what's wrong. Eli understood what his sons had done, and he talked to them about it. That was good, but he needed to do something about it. And I, I want parents to understand this: it's not enough to talk to your kids. Some things you got to stop. There's some behaviors that you have to you have to do something about. That you can't say, "Hey, hey, that, that marijuana? I, are you smoking? That's bad. Don't do that." That's not enough. You know, I, I've talked to I did youth ministry, and I would have kids that were find out they're battling with weed. And I talked to their parents. I said, look, right now, everything he has comes from you. Every dollar he has comes from you. You are funding his marijuana habit. So just stop giving him money. And it's over. He cannot. He, can, he cannot afford his habit without you funding it. So you can stop him from his habit today. Um, if you saw, and you, you'd be amazed at the parents and what, why, you know, he, we said he was going to buy lunch. No, send him a pack lunch. He's smoking dope. He's going to be on crack before you know it. Do something about this. It's not enough to talk to him. You can't talk him out of that. You got to do something. And if it's a little kid, you got to discipline them. Parents, not enough to talk. You got to do something. And I would bring this on over to, uh, church behavior, Right. This is not my church, right? This is God's church, and God has a standard for behavior in his church, for leaders and servants and so forth, and that is to be upheld. It doesn't matter if it's my kids, if it's people that I'm friends with, if there's a if for myself included, there's a standard that God has for those who would serve him in this way, and it must be upheld. There's, It's not excusable that there would be people in places of leadership that are living in carnal ways or living in ways that are inappropriate or stumbling people at the house. God would say to those in charge, you better do something about that. And it won't be fun to do. You know, I've I've done this for a while. There have been times where I got to tell people that I love and I care about. You can't no longer do in the ministry what you were doing because you're doing that too. Can't do both. You have to sit down, love you, but you can't do it. That's important. It's important that we be able to uphold a standard because to me, the, the temple, the tabernacle, was that was that that's God's house. So it's his house. He made the rules. He's a priest. You're to serve me like this. This is what I'm providing for you. This is how the people can offer sacrifice. You're to uphold that so that they can worship me in the way I prescribe. You're there to, to run it so that I get from the people what I desire and they can receive from me what I want to do. But if you've messed that up somehow, God says, now i got to deal with you. And it says here that God desired to kill them. You know who you don't want to be an enemy with? The Lord. <laughs> I mean, I'll take anybody as an enemy but except the, the Lord. I, if everybody in the world hated me, but God was for me, I'll take that. Um, but you don't want the Lord saying, I, I'm going to kill you. Because if God desires to kill you, guess what? You're cooked. There's no, no getting out of this. And so um, it says that the Lord desired to kill them in verse 25, verse 26. Contrast again. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men. And I want you to know how probably how easy it was for people to love Samuel in contrast to these rotten kids of Eli. I'm sure as he grew in stature and people saw him there serving and they could see a different spirit and a different heart and a different attitude and a different behavior. I'm sure it was a blessing to go and see little Samuel instead of the sons of Eli that are sleeping with women and taking stuff that is not supposed to be taken for them. And so Samuel's continuing to grow in stature and in favor with both the Lord and with men. Verse 27, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord. So a man of God, this would have been a prophet. someone that's going to speak on God's behalf to Eli. He says, thus says the Lord, this man says to Eli, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? It's a rhetorical question. Of course you did. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? And this is God confronting him through a man of God, a prophet. One way you know a prophetic word is it'll ring true, every word of it. This for Eli, this, this word, these words are ringing true. He said, but did I not... God's speaking to you, Eli. Thus says the Lord, did I not call you guys? Did I not call your family to to be in this place? He said, look, why do you honor your sons more than me? That's what it came down to. God said, you're honoring them more than me. The reason you're not disciplining them, the reason you haven't stopped them, the reason you haven't put an end to this is you honor them more than me. That's the problem. And I would say that to Christian parents. Sometimes parents put their kids above the Lord. You want your friend. You want a friendship with your kids so bad you won't discipline them, you won't correct them, you won't stop them. When I see the parents of a small child and a small child is out of control, I think it's completely the parents' fault. Everything they have comes from you. When I look at a kid tantrum, it used to be a cultural thing, and we just live in a different time now. But when I was growing up, um, we, you couldn't tantrum, um, you couldn't have a fit. My mom, like the way we were raised, and most of the kids I grew up with. You know, my mom would tell you no. She would say, "We're going to the store. Don't ask for anything." You know, blah 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 blah. You know, and, and if you you know if you ask for something and she said no, and you were like, "You got a pouty lip." Um, that's a that's a whoop. You getting disciplined for that? You better poke your lip in your mouth. You got food. You got clothes. Like there was no room for that. There was no such thing as a tantrum when I first seen kids like yell back at their parents or say no. I was like, "Whoa." Whoa, okay. Whoa This—what what is this? Like, who gets to do that? You know, um, I mean, I, I've seen a kid tell his mom to shut up. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm, these and we're sinners. We're not even Christians. It's not in a Christian household. You just knew you didn't do that. And I felt like that was responsible. Parents were saying, no, you you can be told no, you'll be all right. You know, you live. And I raised my kids like that. I used to take my kids, they'll tell you. Some of their fondest memories as kids, I would take my kids to Toys R Us. I would say, look, today we're not buying anything, but you can play with everything. And we would go to Toys R Us, and ask them. We would, they would ride bikes, we would throw footballs, you know, they could pet dolls. I mean, we 30 minutes, one hour of playtime for free, and then we would leave, you know, and nobody cried, nobody was like, I didn't get a toy, you know. So I think parents are responsible for that, that um that we don't allow our kids to just do whatever. Certainly when they, as they get older, it's a difficult thing. You want peace and maybe you want friendship and love, but at a, if there are things that your kids are doing that need to be corrected, God's holding you accountable. God says, I gave them to you. They're in your care. They belong to me, but they're in your care. And so there's some principles for rearing kids. God says, look, if you love your child, you'll discipline them. It says if foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. So if you, if you discipline or you beat your kid, you won't kill them, right? So it's not beat them like in a bad way, but God, if you, you whoop their butt, if you did, it's not going to kill them. It's probably going to save their life. They need it, and so it's necessary. It's needed. We want to train them up. That's part of training. And every kid's different. I've had four, and I had some kids that I could get accomplished with words, and I've had other kids that they needed to touch. Every kid will let you know what they need. Uh, everything doesn't require whooping, but. You know, they, they'll let you know what they need. I don't want to embarrass my kids, but I've had some kids that I can say, didn't I ask you not to do that? And they would just melt. <laughs> like, God, just, you know, they, they it just easy broke, you know? But I have other kids where I'm like, hey, what did I say? You know, you got to gotta spank them. You got to gotta, you gotta touch them up a little bit, you know? Got to let them know it's real. And um, it's a difficult thing, right? I'm, it's not fun to do, but it's necessary and it's fruitful and it's done in love because you love them and they belong to God. I want my kid to be able to walk with God. I'll give you this last thing on why discipline is so important. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart. A child that's not been disciplined, they won't know how to, how they're going to walk with God because y'all know God disciplines us. So you have a child that doesn't know anything about discipline. They don't don't know anything about loving discipline for your benefit and for your care and for your well-being. How are they going to walk with God? God's not putting up with anything. God's patient and gracious and loving, but God spanks his kids. So I haven't, I haven't prepared you to walk with God. I haven't prepared you for a relationship with the Lord where you got to do what God says do because he's the Lord. You can't just do whatever you want and your walk with the Lord. And so the, the things that I made discipline in my house were very clear. The kids all knew. Two things, rebellion and lying. The two things that keep you from walking with the Lord, walking in the dark, living a double life, you know, thinking God don't see everything. That'll keep you from walking with the Lord and being a liar. Right. Being someone that, that just, you know, I'm um, sorry, being a, being deceptive or being a liar, not walking in light, but also being rebellious. Um, so any rebellion, I'm disciplining that automatically because that'll keep you from walking with God when you grow up. I will not allow rebellion. If any kid messes up. And I always ask first, hey, you want to tell me what you did wrong? And if I get a confession, I give grace to confession. So because I want them to get good at telling the truth. Tell them yourself, tell what you did. God, because God, if you confess your sin to him, He's gracious to you. He's merciful. But if you lie to me, that's a wrap. Lie or deceive, I'm going to whoop you because I don't want you to develop that character and that habit that will hinder you from walking with Jesus one day. So I just exhort and encourage parents. Our kids need us to provide boundaries and loving Christian discipline. But it should be consistent. It should be in love. It should never be in the flesh. So your anger and wrath on your children will not produce godly fruit. Uh, it can't be anger. If you're angry, then you just need to time out. You ain't even qualified to provide discipline at that point. It must be done in uh, in love, with the motivation of love, and seeing them grow in their walk with the Lord. But Eli here is being called on the carpet prophetically because he has not disciplined his children. That little talk. Was not enough. And the prophet here is telling him, Look, you're honoring your children uh, above the Lord. And so that's what he's, uh, he's in trouble with the Lord about. So moving on from here, it says, um, Verse 30 says, For the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed, Your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So God is saying, look, I had I previously said that the house of your father would walk before me forever, but not anymore. Now God says, look, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And so God is telling him, look, I've been lightly esteemed here. So Things are changing in terms of what I was going to do with you. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there would not be an old man in your house. So essentially the prophet is telling him you and your sons are going to die. There's not going to be an old man. The time is coming when that's that's going to take place. Verse 32. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever, but any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon you, uh, that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phineas. And one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come to bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. And so this prophet comes with not great news for Eli. This guy says, look, God's going to cut off you guys. Um, there's, there, the men in your family are going to die in the flower of their age. And, and there's going to be a digression that goes on from here, but it's all rooted in this. You had a position and an opportunity to glorify me, to worship me, uh, to minister to my people on my behalf, to stand before them in my name. And you squandered that. You didn't honor me before the people. You rather, you honored your sons. You allowed your sons to rip off my people. You allowed your sons to have sex with women in the door of the house of the Lord. You allowed for just unthinkable things and you didn't restrain them. You didn't stop them. So now I'm putting an end to all of it, God says. And there's a few things we learn. Whenever you're studying the Bible, we're always learning about God, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Different covenant today, but God has not changed So we know that God God was gracious and patient, right? God could have killed them the day it happened the first time, but God gave time. God gave Eli time and opportunity to get this thing squared away. Deal with your sons. Do the right thing. He did it. And so now that enough time has gone by, something else we learn about God is there does come a point in time where God says, that's enough. Now I'm going to move. Now I'm going to act. Maybe someone's listening, watching tonight. And there's some rebellion, some disobedience, some ongoing thing. And God has spoken to you, aware of it. You know it. Don't keep running the wrong way. Don't take God's, you know, patience for acceptance. There comes a point where God will say, now I'm going to now I'm going to act. Now I'm going to move and it's going to be sudden and severe. Um, And so if God is convicting, you respond to conviction quickly. Um, Don't let things linger. Don't let things continue on. Don't go the wrong direction further. If God in his mercy has called you out, has pointed something out to you, uh, it could even be, could be prophetic. It could be through your own reading. It could be through the Holy Spirit that you already know this shouldn't be going on. You want to yield to the Lord immediately. Um, We don't want, we don't want God's spanking, right? We want to, we want to, we want to yield to the Lord. And I, I had this example I think of uh, this situation happened in second Chronicles. I think it's around 33, but there's two people that I will contrast King Hezekiah, who was one of the good Kings of Israel and his son Manasseh, who was arguably the worst, one of the worst Kings, the most wicked Kings and corrupt Kings Israel ever had. They both had a scenario where they, they had fallen into disfavor with the Lord with Hezekiah It seems the Bible says that he became lifted up in pride and it says that the judgment of God loomed over Hezekiah and the people. God hadn't spoken to him yet. God hadn't said, Hezekiah, I'm going to get you. Just the judgment of God loomed. And it says all of a sudden, Hezekiah, just conviction, right? Inner sensitivity. He repented of the pride of his heart. And it says that God relented of the judgment that he was going to bring about him. So God was like, I'm going to do something. I see this pride up and I'm, I'm looming over Hezekiah. And it says, but he, he repented. And when it says God relented, it means God said, OK, then I don't have to do it. And God just pulled back the judgment that he was going to bring. Now, that's the A plan, right? That if you could just sense the the, uh, the displeasure of the Lord, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you respond to that, God could say, OK, no, no need, no need, no, no need. To discipline. There's a sensitivity there that I can work with. Um, that's what you want because we all we we may get off but you want to hear the lord sensitivities to his spirit and yield to that now manasseh is the example of the other manasseh had missed he had led the people into carnality into idolatry he ran so far the opposite direction of his dad um, where he was just sinning against god in a significant way and it says so the lord spoke to him that he would repent and it says that he would not listen And so the Lord spoke to him and he wouldn't listen. And so then it says that the Lord sent the captain of the king of the army of Assyria with bronze fetters and he was captive. He was taken captive by Assyrian who they abused their captives. They put a hook in your nose and a chain linked from you to the prisoner in front of you. They put you in handcuffs and they marched you so everybody can see that you've been taken captive by Assyria, that you might fear them. And it says and when he was in captivity, he cried out. And he said, now I know that the Lord is God. And he repented. And so then, so he could have, when God spoke to him, he could have repented. But he had to wait until he had a, a hook in his nose, a bronze fetters on his arms. And he was in captivity. And then he heard God and God said, "Okay," it says it says this. Then he knew that the Lord was God and God delivered him from that situation. But here's the deal. You could repent over here. Just the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And not have to be spanked, not have to be in handcuffs, not have to be tormented. Or you can be a knucklehead over here where God says, I, 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 I got whatever you need. Right. Sensitive. I, I can work with that. Right. Disobedient. I can work with that. And um, I believe God will give each one of us what we need. I'm exhorting you. Right. That the, the thing we want to be is sensitive to the voice of the Lord. Uh, we don't want to be rebellious. We don't want to get good at blocking God or or ignoring God when he's speaking to us. It's important that when God speaks, we yield immediately, that we do so quickly. I believe that the people that submit and yield to the voice of the spirit quickly are people that hear the Lord more clearly. Uh, one of the ways that people become dull of hearing spiritually is because the last thing you heard, you didn't listen. And, and you'll become you, disobedience to the Lord when you did hear will cause you to be dull of hearing where you're not really hearing anymore. Because God's got nothing new to say to someone that's walking in old rebellion. And so if you want to hear God more clearly, you want to turn the volume up of the Lord, be obedient to everything you hear him say. And that's how you turn up his value. You hear much more clearly and the communication will be clear. You'll hear you obey. I believe people that hear and obey will hear again with greater clarity. They will continue to hear so that they might obey. And so um, Eli had the knowledge of what he was supposed to do. Um, He was in the position of a priesthood. He had all of God's laws and rules. And he didn't obey them. Um, now a prophet comes and says, man, this is what's going to happen. Bad news coming. And again, I think it's just a great contrast. You have a mother who was desperate for a son and she finally gets his son and she had promised to give him to the Lord. And she has just several years, a few years with them to pour into him the word of God and to speak to him about God's call upon his life. And she dedicates him his whole life as a Nazirite to the Lord. And we see this young man growing up in the fear of the Lord and serving the Lord, growing in favor with God and with the people. But then to contrast that, we have Eli whose sons were, uh, they were in the priesthood, but they didn't know the Lord and they were corrupt and they weren't being corrected. They're stealing of the offering and they're having sex with the women and he's just talk. He did, all he did was talk to them. Hey, are you guys doing that again? And that's it. And, and, but he didn't prohibit them or restrain them from doing this And God came to a point where God says, may you honor them more than me. I'll close with this. May there be nothing that we honor more than the Lord. Amen. Not a person, not a child, not a marriage, not a friendship, not a job, not a relationship. May there be be nothing in our life that rivals the Lord, that we would honor God above everything else. But that would be our highest. our, Our highest goal is to give God all the honor and the glory that He deserves. Amen.
0: We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.